0: Um, we've been going through this sermon series uh, called Programmed Like Jesus. And being programmed like Jesus is based off of 1 Peter 2, 21. And if we can put it up there. And this is what it says. It says, for this you have been called. And if you're here and you call yourself a believer, you've been called to this purpose. You as an individual have been called to this purpose. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving an example so that you might follow in his steps. That has been the, the core verse of why we've been talking about being programmed like Jesus together. About having an example that the gospels and what Jesus did, his actions, mean something to us. And we need to pay attention to what he did so that we can live like him in his example, in, in his steps. And so we've been talking about this idea of artificial intelligence. And so this red bucket has represented the wrong things that we teach artificial intelligence, things that it shouldn't do. And we've been using that car, this, this self-driving car. Some of you are scared of self-driving cars. It's okay. I am a little too, and I'm, I'm pretty young. So, but it, there's things we program into the self-driving car to do And not to do. And so that takes a human, that takes somebody looking at data and the data that the car is collecting and saying, this is a wrong action. We should not do this. And then a right action, the thing that that says, yes, we should, this car should function this way on the road. Uh, And we, the programmer says, yes, this is a good thing and this is a good thing and following the speed limit is a good thing. And so that's kind of been the basis of this whole sermon series. I did some research for you, if you're ever interested in buying a Tesla, it's $42,000 to get a self-driving car right now. No big deal. And if you want it to drive in the city, uh, by itself, that's another $7,000, so just food for thought. That's extra, I didn't, I didn't, you didn't, that's not even part of the sermon, it's just interesting information. And so this morning, I, I want to look at something that Jesus' actions show us about Purpose. And what I want to talk about inside of purpose is that our purpose is not just someplace out there in the world away from us. It's not a place to get to. Your purpose isn't a place to get to. It's actually right here with you right now. It's in your present. Your purpose is in your present. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 8, verse 40. And this is the story of the woman with the issue of bleeding and and Jairus' daughter. And I think as we look at these verses and we talk about what Jesus does, his actions, we're going to see what it means to be programmed like him in our purpose today. And so here here is what Luke chapter 8 verse 40 says. It says, and now Jesus returned to the crowd, welcomed him, and they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler in the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed in around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Isn't that interesting? The girl was 12 years old. This woman was dealing with the 12-year 12 12 year issue. It's all connected. It's all connected. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. Immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it. That's important. When all denied it. Peter said, master, the crowd surrounds you and presses in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. For I perceived the power that had gone out from me. And Jesus was a busy dude. I think about this three years that we read about, and this is the, all the Gospels are kind of contained in, into these three years of Jesus' life. And Jesus was just busy. He did a lot of stuff. I always marvel at the, the amount of things Jesus gets done. Uh, I feel like if you were right to write about my three years, not that much would get done. <laughs> compared to Jesus. But he, he's busy in these three years of ministry. The first part of these, these verses says that a crowd was waiting for him to come to town. Cailin last week preached a sermon about us turning on and off again, and about solitude. And that's, this, this is what we do when we realize that Jesus brings life to our lives, is we wait. We wait for Jesus And so that's what Caleb talked about last week was was having solitude. Life can go by like super fast. How many of you feel like you were just here yesterday? Like it's already Sunday again, like Groundhog's Day. It was like, oh my goodness, it's already Sunday already. The busyness of, of life just gets to us. And you and I, I think when we talk to one another, when we say, how's life going? There's one word I think all of us use that's really not even an, a real answer. It's more like a response to this question. Does anybody know what it is? I'm busy. I'm busy. it How's life? How are things going? It's, I'm busy. And, and I think for most of us, it's not that actually life is busier this week than it was last week. Life could have been slower this week than last week. But it's our natural response in life, I think, for most of us. It's like we say this idea of, oh, well, life's busy. It's like we say it, like, if we said life was slow or we took some solitude this week to connect with Jesus, that somehow we had failed at life. Like, that busyness is, like, our currency, our value in life. we got to be busy doing a lot of things. And busyness is just a, a bad way to, like, qualify life. I've been really trying lately to, when I get asked this question, how, how's life going, to not just knee-jerk reaction and say busy, but try to really say the things that are really going on in my life. And it's been, to be perfectly honest, it's been really hard. It's been a process of, of that knee-jerk reaction that's not even really an a, a answer to your question of how's life. It's been a big process for me to learn how to stop for a second and say, no, there are things going on in my life, and I can actually tell you about them. I can say, this is what's happening. These are the things that are going on. And not just say, well, life's busy. See, being programmed like Jesus is to be present in where we are. Being present in the here and now. And that's, that can be really hard. It feels like, to me, that life can be this, like, code. <laughs> like, we're trying to figure it all out, we're trying to figure out what to do in our here and now, and it feels like you're trying to decode some some code that God has given you in life. Um, I mean, just think about our lives. We have family, kids' activities, personal activities, uh, sports, we have our full-time jobs, we have our finances, we have our church, we have hobbies that we need to do and want to do. And then on top of that, like friends, what are those? How do they fit into all this? And like I said a few weeks ago, friendship is vital to our lives. But yet somehow it gets put to the last thing on our, our list. And it just feels like it's, it's a code. How do, how do you know what to prioritize or what to do first or how to act in this situation and to be present in our here and now? It feels so complicated. I have two kids, and it feels just like impossible. I feel like if I'm working really hard and I'm not with the kids, I feel like I'm cheating the kids and if I'm with the kids and not working really hard here at work, I'm cheating my work. Anybody feel like that? Like you feel like you're not doing, you're always not doing the thing you should be doing in life. It's just, it's so confusing sometimes. It feels like we gotta gotta figure out the code. And in in computing, uh, there's something called the binary code. And this is what this idea of following the ones and zeros is all about. It's the ones and zeros are the binary code of computing. And that's what we wanted to get to. How do you follow the ones and zeros of your life to know the, the basics, the, the code for what, what you should be doing in your life? And so here's what binary code is. Just in case you're unaware or don't know, binary code uh, has to look like this. If I said... I love central assembly. So if we, we type this into our computers, you got home, you type this into your computer. I love central assembly. I hope you do. This is what it would look like in binary. Oh, zeros and ones and ones and zeros all range in different places. They all mean different things. That first set of code that you see up at the top left, that's a capital I, if you can bring that up. This is what, this is what your computer generates when you hit shift I and type a capital I into a word processor. So this, this is the basics, what would be called the basics of computing. Anybody lost yet? But this is the basics. You use a computer every day of your life for most of us. And so, do you think we should know this? The code, what's happening in the background? Well, you use a computer every day. So if, we, if you do know the basics of computing, which I, I think you should, then you should know what this, this set of code means. Let's see it. Anybody can decode this? Anybody can tell me what, what these ones and zeros all mean? Not quite. Here's what it means. Yes. And I think, like, this feeling of this is the basic building blocks of computing, that I feel like this is what it feels like to try to live present in our lives. It feels like trying to decode this mystery. And I feel like God is speaking to us. He, he has a code for us. He has things that he desires for us to do. But it feels like the questions of life just can get to us in our present. You know, what are we supposed to do or act in this situation? What's our purpose in life? Are are you supposed to move or take that promotion? Should we have kids yet? This was a that was a hard one for Kayla and I. Should we have kids yet? Is it is it our time? Is it the moment we should have kids? Uh, Should I marry this person? Is this the right college or career that I should have? And I, I really wish that in these questions in life and trying to live presently, I wish it was like The Matrix. Anybody remember The Matrix, the early 2000s movie where humans were trapped in a computer code? And Neo is the main character, and he actually represents Jesus in the story. And when he gets, first gets out of The Matrix into what we, he would call real life, He talks to somebody, and they're looking at a computer screen, and he sees all this falling ones and zeros. And asking the guy what it all means, the the person that's lived and looked at these codes says, I don't even really see the code anymore. I just see different people. I don't see the code. It just makes sense to me. And Jesus, I feel like in his story, in his ways of life, is like Neo at the end of the movie, when he's seeing the code, like literally like just seeing the, the source code of life, the ones and zeros and what's going on. And I wish I could do that in my life. I wish I could like walk through life and just see the code so well and know what to do so well, like, like this code, like you just walk around and just know, this is the thing i got to say in this moment. This is the moment to do this. And the story of Jairus' daughter is is really interesting to me because it it can teach us a lot of things. Uh, We can learn a lot of lessons from this this story. Uh, That faith heals us. That's that's one story, the thing we can learn from it. Uh, That we should believe even when we can't see. Or that we should see people. That Jesus stops and sees people. But today, I think what I want to see is, show you is that in this story, Jesus lives out his present inside the purpose that God has given him. Following the ones and zeros, seeing the source code, is about understanding the purpose that we have in life and being present in it. In Luke 8, Jesus is busy. The start of the story is Jesus being busy. He's going somewhere. He's got something to do. And to me, when I read this story, Jesus stopping and and talking and trying to find this woman makes very little sense to me in my physical being. Because in the story, the woman's already healed. The miracles already happened. Stopping doesn't bring about more healing to this woman. The power has already left him and she is healed. But I think what Jesus knows about himself is that there's a purpose beyond just healing people that he's meant to fulfill here in this life that he had. Jesus understood that his role in life wasn't just to bring healing to the world, but was also to acknowledge the kingdom of heaven in the world when it interacted with the world. And so finding this woman wasn't just a pleasantry. Jesus didn't stop because he just felt like he wanted to be nice to this woman, he stopped because he knew that stopping and finding this woman was imperative to his mission in this world. He had to stop. He had to acknowledge the power that had left him. He had to find this woman and acknowledge what had happened in her life. That's presence. That's knowing what's going on. Not only was Jesus present enough, to know, present enough to know that something had happened, that power had left him, but he was present enough to know that he needed to find this woman as well. And so for us, in being present, in trying to see the source code and know the ones and zeros and what we're supposed to do in life and, and being able to follow God's purpose in our present, I think there's there's some things that can happen as we try to decode and see what God is doing and what our purpose is and the things we're supposed to do. It's it's viruses, things that sneak in to this this code and try to distort it or change it or make us confused. Anybody ever have this happen to you? You have a perfectly working computer and then a virus gets on to it and it's just doesn't work. It's not even usable anymore. This virus has completely changed the the computer's usability. Anybody? Just me? It's like, you just want to take the thing, shut the the laptop as hard as you can, and then find the biggest cliff you can on Lake Superior and just toss the thing like Frisbee style. Because it's just useless when viruses get into computers. And I think the same thing, Satan is trying to do the same thing with our lives. Our lives are something beautiful given to God to us by God. Your life has meaning and purpose. It's, it's a beautiful thing that God's given to you. It's wonderful. But Satan tries to sneak in viruses and sneak things in to make your life feel unusable. Like you don't want it. And so as we're trying to decode these things, I want to I show us three viruses that can sneak in real quick. And can, can confuse us or make us confused about following our purpose in our present. The, one, the first virus is this. You're not living your best life. You're not living your best life. This is advertising 101. You watch your football game? You are bombarded by this statement all the time. You are not living your best life without this item, this thing, this truck, this cleaning detergent. This, fill in the blank. It is everywhere in our culture. You are not living your best life. It's it's really based on the fear of missing out. Your your fear that you're not getting something that you're supposed to be getting in your life. Uh, Questions like, did you marry the right person? Was this the right career for you? Or am I supposed to be in this place? Is this the place I'm supposed to be? We have one life, so just to, t- to remind you, you have one life, and the question, Am I living my best life? is really useless. <laughs> it's really a bad question to be even asking, because you have got one. So this fear of missing out is very harmful to us. If you start to believe that you are not living your best life, you know what happens? your present becomes a decision-making nightmare. A nightmare. Because you're, you're constantly worried and fearful that a decision you will make will ruin your best life. And that's, that makes decision-making incredibly difficult. Impossible, even. It makes your present completely... It's hard to even explain, but like I said, it just makes that decision-making process a nightmare. The second virus that sneaks in is that something else will make you happier. Something else will make you happier. This is the grass is greener on the other side syndrome. I think we all experience this. This car would be better than the car I have. That house would be better than the car I have. That person would be better than the person I have in my life. And this has really played out in, in employment, I think. The best way to get the most money and advance the quickest is to change jobs once every three years. If you, if you want to get the most money and be at the highest position you can be in life, you need to change jobs once every three years. This stipulates that money and advancement are the most important things in the world today. But it's not just the corporate world. It's church world too if you just leave this church and go to that church, because that church has it right, and this church doesn't have it right. Central Assembly's got problems, and that church is better. But the problem is, is that church has the problems just like our church has problems. You just don't see them yet. And so until we realize that something else isn't just going to make us happier, some other action or some other thing, this virus sneaks in and it takes our joy away from our present and puts it into our future. When we believe that something else will make us happier, it takes the joy that we can experience in our present and puts it into our future. And the biggest problem with this is, you never get to your future. It's always in your future. It's always in front of you. And so if your joy is in your future, what do you never get? Joy. You can never receive joy. The third virus that sneaks in to us is that achievement gives you value. This virus sneaks in, and it is so hard to fight. Because the world really does celebrate the people who achieve. The world, the people who have meaning in the world, lead companies, have invested in something, and made it big, they're, they have made achievement in their life in some way. And I don't think this is bad. I think we should, in, in the end, strive for something. that we, There is a preferred future that we should work towards. But when that achieving that becomes what gives us value, lots of things start to fall apart in our lives. Because now the, the achievement is the big thing. This, this, this virus sneaks into the ones and zeros and tries to distort Are present as we try to live out God's purpose in our life, it sneaks in and it destroys our faith. It says that if we can't achieve a sinless life or lead someone to Jesus, that we haven't made it as a Christian. That you haven't achieved enough to to receive the free gift that Jesus has given on the cross. This virus attaches actions to grace. That's really important. This virus, the virus of achievement, gives you value. This virus attaches achievement or actions to grace. And that destroys us. So those are the three viruses that sneak in as we try to decode the present and follow the ones and zeros that God has for us. And when these viruses, they, they sneak in and they, they take hold of our lives and they distort the, the beautiful thing and the beautiful thing that God has given us, which is our present life and the, the life that we have. What happens is, is we start to plant flags flags in our lives. And so, just, like, just for a moment, what is planting a flag? I know this is kind of a weird idea, so follow along for a second. Just, just like imagine for a moment. What does a country do when it wants to claim territory? What's the one thing a country does when it says, this territory is mine? It plants a flag on it. It says, this is my area, this is my thing, this is what I've claimed as ours. And so that's what happens, is is a country comes and stamps a flag in an area and says, this is ours. And so this is what I mean when we, we plant flags in our lives, is that we start to look into our future, the things that are in front of us, and we start to plant flags in areas of our lives. We start to say, I will get married. So that, that's a statement, right? We're planting a flag in something in our lives and saying, it will happen. Or I will make a certain amount of money. You're planting a flag. You're saying, I'm going to get here. Or you say, I will, and let's fill in, now you can fill in the blank. We're all doing it. We all plant flags of our own accord in our lives. And we say, I am going to. I Have this in my future. And the hard part about planting flags in our future is oftentimes they're not spiritual flags. They're not places that God has given us dreams about. They're just our own dreams the vast majority of time. This has happened to me. And when we plant our own flags and we start to say, this is where I think I should be, we create expectation gap. So these viruses sneak in and they, 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 they kind of force us to say, I'm going to be here or I'm going to do this or I'm going to be in this place in life. I'm going to achieve this thing in my life. And when we stand where we're at, wherever you are in your life, and you look at who you are and the things you're going through and the things you're struggling through, you look at the things you want and you go, I'm not there. I'm not there. I haven't made it. And this is a self-imposed expectation gap, and it, what what it does is it keeps us focused straight ahead. And When you're really busy in life, when busyness takes hold, do you have time for anything? No, you're busy. You gotta go places. You gotta do things. You gotta be on your hustle, working hard. It's hard to see the cashier, the person who's checking you out when you're busy or running late. It's hard to see them as a person. They're just a means to an end, which is getting this food and getting out of here. And so when we're focused on our future, and that's all we can see, and that's all we're focused on, we don't see our present, because our present is just something we're trying to get through to get to our future. But we also don't see our past. We don't see the things that God has brought us through, the things that he's been faithful in, the things that he's changed in us. We don't see the difference in our lives because we're focused straight ahead. We're focused on the things we think we should have and the places we think we should go. And this is huge, friends. It's huge. Because the gap between here, if the red bucket is the future we want, and the, the bucket, the, green, the blue bucket, not orange, it's not orange. Trust me, it's not orange, it's blue. The bucket, let's we'll say, this is your past. This is where you started. And the, the red bucket's the thing you want to get to. You may, you may be here. You may be looking at that bucket going, I just got to get there. I just got to get there. Why, can't, why am I failing? Why, why am I not meeting my own expectations? Why can't I get to the f- future that I think I should have and the things I want? And you're standing in your present, and the reality is God's saying, Excuse me. You see everything we've been through? You see all the things that I've brought you through and I've been faithful? And in this gap, it's really hard to trust God. It's really hard to say, God, you've got it. You're gonna take control of it. It's it's all you. Because we can't see the things that He's brought us in. And that's what our past is for. It's to remind us of the faithfulness of God, the things He's done. See following the ones and zeros is for where we're at. It's for the things we're going through right now. See the moment when Jesus stops and sees this woman and sees and, and, and shows that the kingdom of heaven has been brought to earth and acknowledges this woman. When that happens, when Jesus stops, and it's, you have to realize it's not a short stop. It's not like a moment. The Bible says that they, they asked everybody in the crowd. They took time and said, was it you? Was it you? And it says nobody claimed the healing that Jesus know, knew happened. Nobody did. And Jesus is, Jesus is like, no, we're staying. We're going we're gonna to see this out. Somebody received healing, and I'm going to find them. You know what happens to Jairus? This man who started this whole process and was leading Jesus to something? His purpose dies, literally. His purpose for getting the master and going and finding Jesus and bringing him to his house literally passes away. So when we take time to focus on our present and to, to, to follow the ones and zeros for the here and now, what happens is it feels like our future dies. Because when we focus on our present, we have to let God take care of the future. We have to let God bring about the things that we desire to do and want. We have to trust Him. And God knows that. And He's faithful. Quickly just like turned on to Luke 8, 50. Like if you're looking in your, your Bibles scroll down for a second. And look at Luke 8.50. So this is just after Jesus finds the woman. She acknowledges the healing that's happened in her life. And Jesus the Jairus's associate comes and says, leave the master alone. Your daughter is dead. The purpose for you being here is gone and done. Jesus says this. Do not fear. Only believe. And she will be well. We have to trust God with the code, the ones and zeros, to live out our purpose in our present, knowing that his plan gives life, that his plan is the perfect plan. For me, when I graduated high school, I wanted to be a military brat. I desired to fly planes, and not just any planes. I didn't want to just fly cargo ships, cargo planes or anything. I wanted to fly, fly planes that blew stuff up. What like I, at my age, didn't want to do that. And when I graduated high school, I actually did not know anything that I wanted to do. Because in my senior year, I had joined Civil Air Patrol. I was trying to head towards being a pilot. And I found out for, from a few things that, A, I'm nearsighted, which... That's one thing, but the other problem, the bigger problem, is that I'm, col- I'm what's called color deficient. And this is confusing, it doesn't mean I don't see color, but have you ever seen those dots or those magic eyes? They function on a color scale, so if you can see specific colors well, you can decipher the code. These dot matrixes, if they're in red or green, if the, all the dots, whatever is being made, the numbers or letters, in these dots, circles of dots are in red or green, my eye can't tell you what it's saying. I can tell you there's red dots and green dots in this circle, but I can't tell you what the the code is. I can't tell you what the dots are spelling. And so I graduated high school and found out the only thing I could do in the military was at best fly cargo planes. And that wasn't gonna do it for me. I was like, I'm out. Not interested. And my mom, in this moment, just told me to go to college. Just start taking classes. I had no clue what I wanted to do. I thought maybe ministry would be something I did on the side to bless a church, but I didn't know I was going to be a pastor. So I just started taking classes. This was a moment in my life that I can see that if I hadn't trusted God with the ones and zeros and lived in my purpose in my present, that the future, that would have just been a mess. It would have been horrible. And today, I can tell you this much, Kaylin wasn't going to marry no military brat. That wasn't her. That's not what she wanted. And I'll tell you what, I really like my life. I really like my wife. I really like my kids. But that, that future, the perfumed future, the things that you desire and want, aren't there because you planted the flag there. Because you've decided that it's there. It's because God's faithful. And so when we turn to him, and we say, God, you've got our future, I'm going to just live out the ones and zeros of my purpose now. Here's what happens He is faithful. Luke 8, 50. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Can you catch that this morning? Don't be afraid of your future. Don't be afraid of the things that God has in your future. Only believe. Your purpose is not in your future. It's not some far off place, something you can get to or arrive at. It's not somewhere else. I I want you to believe with all your heart that your purpose is right here, right now, in your life, no matter where you're at. God hasn't made a mistake with you. You've maybe made mistakes. You've maybe failed. But God's faithful. Don't fear. Only believe. And so how do we do this? Three three ideas, real quick. So, How do we live our purpose for our here and now and trust God with the future? Here's the first one. Stop scrolling. Facebook is ruining your life. Stop scrolling. You gotta stop, because the more you scroll, the more you see other people and you see other lives and you see other things, and that creates these viruses. These viruses are exemplified in scrolling. (laughs) That you're not living your best life, that achievement gives you value, and that something else will make you happier. That thumb. It's all contained in that thumb. So stop scrolling. The second thing, stop fearing missing out. Fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. Not fear of situations. Not fear of missing. Not fear of other things. Fearing God. And I know this is like a really big one. Like, stop fearing. It sounds like, okay, thanks, Matt. Good job. That's, That's not as easy as it sounds. But I think stepping towards this in practical ways in our life, stop fearing missing out. Start to take steps in this is a way that we can break these viruses in our lives. And the last thing, stop doubting God's faithfulness. Remember I said, when we start to plant flags in our future, this is where we focus. We focus forward. And all we can see is the things in our future and the things we want to get to and the things we want to have. We miss out on our present and we completely ignore the things that God has brought us through. And what we need to do is not live in the past and let the past dictate our future, but just like the Israelites. The Israelites were, when God did something, they were asked to build an altar and that altar was there to remind them of God's faithfulness. We have to do the same thing. When we're struggling in our present, we're struggling to know what God's purpose is and what the things we're supposed to be doing and the things we're supposed to be acting. We have to turn for a second and look at our past and say, man, God is good. God is good. I remember the things he's brought me through. And then believe he has has the same thing for our future. So I really hope that in this, that you, you feel encouraged. I really do. No matter where you're at in life, no matter what's going on, that your purpose is not somewhere else, that if you could just achieve something or be something else or live a better life, that your purpose will be found, but that God is saying right here, right now, where you're at, what God is doing, where, you're, where you are, is your purpose. you have purpose. So we're going to spend the next few moments worshiping together. We have time. Uh, I really hope you've enjoyed this being programmed like Jesus. Seeing the actions that Jesus has taken and, and help you see ways that you can start living a life programmed like Jesus. That you can follow the ones and zeros in your life for your present just like Jesus did. So let's pray and let's worship together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your actions. Lord God, you are good. You are so, so good. Yeah. Lord, in all of this, as we try to live a life that's programmed like you, Lord, we just want more. We just want more of you. Yeah, so we just give you the rest of our time together. Help encourage our hearts for our present. That we can decode the things that you're desiring to to speak to us. Keep those viruses away from us, Lord God. Help us to see the detriment they have in our lives. In your name. Let's stand together and worship.